You're listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both blessed and challenged by this teaching. I wanted to just tell you a little bit about this weekend. I was, I was really overcome with the goodness of God this weekend. I, I, saw, I, I was just praying on the way here, and I said, Lord, I, I saw your power like I've never seen your power before. It, just, it was one of those weekends that we just, I, I said to Leslie on the way down, I said, what were we thinking to take two conferences in one weekend? That was just, what were we thinking? But God was just so faithful, and, and, and he's just so faithful. He's just so faithful. And, and the first conference that we did with, was with an all-Hispanic. They were first-generation believers coming over from Puerto Rico. Uh, most of them, uh, they, they didn't even speak English when they got here. I, I have done their conferences for several years and then, then took a break. And I, this was the first time going back for a couple years. And... Uh, after I'd given a, an opportunity to receive Christ, and this sweet little lady uh, was one of the people that raised their hands to receive Christ, and she was probably in her early to mid-70s. And she came up to me afterwards, and she was sobbing, and, and she, she said in, in very broken English. She spoke very, very, very little English, and what she spoke was broken. But what she said to me is, I don't understand English, and I speak very little of it. <laughs> but she said, it's really hard at my age to uh, translate it as it's coming in. I, I, can't, I can't translate it. And and because I speak so little of it, but she said, I want you to know, and then she began to cry even harder, and she said, I want you to know that I understood everything you said this weekend. And that's a woman that came to Christ. And I, I just was overwhelmed just by, with God's power. Do you know that we serve a powerful God? He is a powerful God. I, I've been studying a passage this week. And I, I just feel like it goes so well with what we learned last week. And for those of you who were not here, uh, by way of review, we talked about fear. But I want to specifically apply the scripture to a verse that we studied last week that, that said, you shall not be afraid of the arrow that flies by day. And we talked about how the arrow was referring to nasty unkind, harmful words, hurtful words that are aimed, arrows are always aimed, that are aimed at our hearts and our minds. That they might be words spoken by friends, they might be words spoken by family, perhaps a spouse, it might be somebody at work, but, but nonetheless they are words that were instigated by the enemy of our souls. That they were words that were meant to destroy Keep in mind that an arrow is always aimed, and it's aimed at a vulnerable part of a person, and it's meant to destroy and to drain someone of life. And that's what the enemy's arrows do when they're aimed at us. The nasty, unkind words. You see, you're not warring against flesh and blood. Your battle is not against the person who spoke those things to you. Your battle is against the enemy of your soul. He just happened to 
use that person. That person just happened to make themselves available. That's why, church, it's so vital that we watch what's coming out of our mouth. Ephesians says, don't let any unwholesome words come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. Are your words building people up? If nasty, unkind words, gossip, malice, slander, criticism, curse, curse words, if that's coming out of your mouth, it has no business in the mouth of a child of God. And you are making yourself an arrow. You're making yourself available to the enemy of your soul to be an arrow in somebody else's life. And we've got to watch what we're saying. But I studied a passage this week. I really wanted to go on to verse 7. I wanted to go into the passage that says in Psalm 91 that says, A thousand will fall by your side and ten thousand by your right hand, but none will come near you. I really had every intention of getting to that verse this week. But I started to study just on my own time. I started to study another verse, and it just came so alive to me that I felt like it connected so much with what we talked about last week that the Lord just wasn't finished with that verse yet. And so forgive me for not moving on yet again, but I feel like we need to stay on that verse just one more week. If you will, would you turn over to Mark chapter 16. I'm going to read uh, verse 17 on, but Father, we just pray, Lord. We pray that you just be in this house in power tonight, Lord. I thank you that you are Emmanuel. God with us, that you never leave us, that you never forsake us, that, that you are always with us. But Lord, I pray that your fire would fall on this place tonight. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just hover over each person in this room tonight and that you would wing a special word directly to their hearts and minds. Lord, you know these people. You know every one of us, Lord. And I just pray that you would speak a specific word, a rhema word that just goes directly into their being. Your word says uh, that, 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 that your, your word is a double-edged sword. A double-edged sword stabs and cuts. And I pray Lord God, that, that you would just stab us with your word and you'd cut away the, the garbage in our life, that you would just do some Holy Spirit surgery, that you'd pour in the triple antibiotic cream, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that you would bring healing and wholeness into this place tonight. Lord, I'm asking, I'm asking, Lord, that you would do immeasurably more than I can even ask. And I'm asking big, Lord, I want to see people get set free tonight. I want to see lives change tonight. Lord, I want people to get a revelation of who you are and what you can do. I want that for myself, Lord. And I believe that you are real. I believe you're powerful. I believe you're mighty. You're majestic, Lord God. You are God, and there's nothing impossible for you. And I'm asking, Lord, that you just fall like fire on this place that you be Lord over everything that's said and done, and that you have your way here, and you bring yourself glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 16, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, Mark chapter 16, I want you to note that most of this passage is in red. It's, it's Jesus' words. It's, it's not mine. It's Jesus's. It's not a disciple. It's not Mark's. It's Jesus' words. And, and so keep that in mind as we read this. He who believes, oh, let's start at 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. 
And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming his word through the accompanying signs. Amen. So be it, that means. I, I want you to see that Mark ended that passage with amen. So be it. We want that, Lord. Do you want that in your life? I want that in my life. Uh, these were Jesus' last words to his disciples. Let, let me ask you a question tonight. If you were dying tomorrow and, and you had uh, the, this, this short amount of time to speak your last words to the people you love and care about, what would that look like? Wouldn't you choose your words carefully? Uh, wouldn't you not sweat the little stuff? Wouldn't you just make sure that, that the last words you were speaking to them were words that, that would penetrate them, that, that, that they were words that would count, that they would summarize the things that you wanted them to remember most? They were words that you would want to stick with them and that no word you spoke would be wasted. It would, it would be the vital things in life that you want them to get. These were Jesus' last words, and I think he chose them carefully. I think he summed up what he had spent how many years preaching to them. Here it is, the summary of everything I've told you, everything you've seen. And then he spoke these words to them. And I, I, My mom passed away about three years ago, and, and she had been in a coma and came out of it. And, and for about 12 hours, she talked to us just like I'm talking to you. You would have thought there was nothing wrong with her. And it just so happened that Dave had, Dave had gotten there. We, we knew that she was dying, and, and Dave flew in with Kendall, and, and, and all of my brothers and my sister was there. All of my nieces and my nephews were there, and, and we were all gathering around the bed. And one by one, she called us to her side, and she told us her last words. And they were words like, Dave, make sure you take good care of Rhea. They, they were, uh, she said to, to, to my niece's husband, she said, you're not following Jesus. I, I, I don't think you know Jesus, and I just want you to know that I want to see you in heaven. Please, please let me know that I'm going to see you in heaven. They, they were words like that that she spoke to each one of them, each one of us. She chose her words carefully, and they were words that to this day still stick with me. These were Jesus' last words to his disciples. And you, my friends, we are those disciples. These words apply to us. I want you to look at them. In verse 17, these signs will follow those who believe. I'm going to give you some definitions, and I don't want to bog you down with them, but they're so good I don't want you to miss them. And they're definitions that are coming straight out of my Greek dictionary, that they are what the word means in the original language. And it's, it's just captivating to me. It's, so, it's just thrilling to look at these words and say, is that what you really meant, Lord? That's just good stuff. So that word signs, he said, these signs will follow those who believe. That word sign means a sign, a mark, a token, a miracle with spiritual end or purpose. Rick Renner, one of my favorite uh, uh, Greek translators, he says the signature or seal applied to a document to guarantee its authenticity. I, I love that because what he's saying is God was saying these signs will follow those who believe. If you believe in me, 
I'm going to give my stamp of approval that this is authentic, what you believe and what you're preaching, Rhea, that, that signs are going to follow you. They're going to follow you. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to show you miracles because I'm stamping my authenticity on you. My stamp of authenticity is going to be on you. And they're going to follow you. I want you to just look at that word very carefully. It means to accompany side by side, to follow closely. And again, Rick Renner says to tirelessly accompany someone, to constantly be at the side of someone, to always be in close proximity with the person like a faithful companion. Oh, that's just my, fav my favorite. He said signs, miracles <laughs> with a spiritual end are going to follow you, Rhea. They're going to they're gonna attach tires, tirelessly to your side. They're going to be with you like a faithful, command, uh, a faithful friend, a faithful com companion. I want to just ask you tonight, are they following you? I'm not saying are you following them because, you see, I'm about sick up to here with people following signs and wonders. I, I've about had it with that. I, I have no time for that. You will not see that in this study. Do I want to see signs and wonders? Oh, you better believe it. I want to. But, but here's what I want more. I want to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. I want to know him intimately. I want to follow him with everything I have. And the Bible says that when I do that, oh, baby, they're going to follow me. They're going to be tirelessly at my side like a faithful command, companion. Do you want that? Church, why are we not seeing that? I want to know that. I want to know. Notice what he says. These signs will follow those who what? Oh, there's the word. Those who believe. That word believe means to be firmly persuaded as to something. To believe with the idea of hope and certain expectation. To believe with the idea of hope and certain expectation of the person whose words one believes and trusts in. What he's saying is, Rhea, when you believe me, and that's not just a, I think I believe in you, God. It's, I believe you, Lord. I believe this word is yay and amen. I'm not backing down from it. I'm not looking at the natural. I'm not believing what the world tells me to believe. I believe you. I trust completely in you. I am fully persuaded that you're able to do what you tell me you're able to do. Are you believing like that? Are you believing like that? I'm telling you, the stuff that I've been seeing him do, it's just blowing my mind. Do you understand that that woman spoke hardly any English? And she said to me, I understood every last word you said. Do you know how fast I talk when I preach? And she came to Christ sobbing. She knew what she was doing. It's just blowing my mind. Kelly, are you here? Is Kelly here? Kelly, that blows my mind. Does God blow your mind? Are you astonished at what God can do? He heals. That word believe, it means those who constantly believe. Not those who try to muster up faith every now and then. Not, not those who visit with God say, hey, how you doing, buddy? It's nice to see you in church on Sunday. But, but those who have made a decision to believe God over everything else. I, I pray for this all the time. This morning I said, Lord, I want faith. I, I want faith that moves mountains. I want, I want faith that can stare the enemy in the eye and say, I'm not backing down. I know what my God can do. I want faith that, that doesn't just say that. I want faith that really, truly, with every ounce of my being, no doubt attached to it, believes that. 
I want that kind of faith. There was a father who came to Jesus, and, and his son was dying. He said, Jesus, if you can do something, and, and, and Jesus said, if I can, I just love it. Would you not have loved to be there just to hear the tone of voice that he used? I just would have loved that. And if I can, and, and the father says, I do believe. Just help my unbelief. Let's pray, church, for the areas of unbelief in our hearts. It's the kind of belief he's talking about here that happens only when we start to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. It happens only when we get intentional about being in that place with God and getting to know Him intimately. Now, not, hey, how you doing, God, but intimately. I, I was with, uh, uh, we took Karen for lunch this past week, and, and she was, uh, it was her birthday, and we were celebrating, and, and, and I was saying something, and I was going to plow through and say it, and the Lord, I heard him say, stop. And so mid-sentence, I stopped. And, and I wanted to say it. Did you ever just get to that place where, I know you said that, Lord, but could I just give a little bit of this? And, and, I, and I knew I was not supposed to go any further. It was no big deal, but it was something that he told me not to say. And Karen said to me, how do you do that? How do you hear his voice like that? I said, Karen, that's the secret place. That's from being at that table. That's from tasting intimacy with him. I, I told you for week after week, I've been saying to you, well, when Dave, my husband, calls me, he doesn't, he, I, I, I really believe this with every ounce of my being. I said to Karen in the restaurant, it was a noisy restaurant this week, and I said to Karen, if, if Dave would come up behind me and he would just clear his throat, he wouldn't have to say, how are you, Rhea? He wouldn't have to say any of that. Just simply clearing his throat, I'd say, that's my baby. Where's he at? I said, Karen, if they had 100 men lined up and all we saw were their dirty feet, I would be able to pick my mans out. I'm telling you, because that's intimacy. That's how I know him. I know every mole on his body. I know everything about that guy. And I'm telling you, that's what I want with Jesus. I want to know him so he doesn't have to scream in my ear. He can whisper. I say, oh, that's my, that's my man. That's my Jesus. Don't you want that? That's what happens when we get to that secret place and we don't remember the word is dwell. It's inhabit. When we live in that place with God. Well, when we don't just duck in and out on a Sunday morning. When we make him the priority. Here's what I want to tell you more than anything in my whole I just, I just want to tell you this with every ounce of passion that I can stir up inside of me. I'm telling you, I've seen so many people die in the past two years. I mean, ugly stuff. Uh, um, stuff that's happened like that unexpectedly. And I, I just want to tell you and remind you that this life is a vapor. It's a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. We do not know how much time we have. We don't. But here's what I want to remind you about. The next life, that's eternal. That's forever. That's where we spend forever, forever. And so why do we waste time with the lusts of this world? Why do we put so much value on the stuff of this world instead of on the one who we're going to spend eternity with, forever with, forever with? We were never meant to be comfortable here. We were meant to be pilgrims just passing through. This world is not my home. I used to sing that song with my mama. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. This was never supposed to be our home. 
We were never supposed to be comfortable here. We've got to get to that place and get to know the one who we're going to spend eternity with. And that happens when we dwell in the secret place of the Most High God. Because when you get to that place, you don't trust somebody you don't know. Do, do you know that? Uh, when, when my children were growing up, I, I hardly ever would put them with a the babysitter. Because I didn't, Stuart and Jill were out of town. I didn't know anybody who could watch them. And, and the people I did know, I didn't know very well. And so I'm not going to trust my babies with somebody I didn't know. But as I got to know people, the longer I lived here and I made more friends, when you get to know somebody's heart, you start to trust them. And you see, the reason we have a hard time really believing God and trusting in him is we don't really know him. So if you're struggling with trust, just get to know him. Get to that secret place. Verse 17b says, in my name. Oh, (laughs) I love this. I've told you this a million times, but let me tell you a million and one. That the scripture that says, do not take the name of the Lord in vain. It means don't, don't treat it, don't make it void of power. It doesn't just mean a cuss word. It means don't make it void of power. Rhea, when you put your hand on someone and you say, in the name of Jesus, expect something to happen. Expect it. I want to give you that, that the definition for name there. It means implying authority. To come and to do something in or by the name of someone, meaning using his name as his messenger, representative, by his authority and with his sanction. You you know that the word sanction means official permission or approval for an action. I love that. Do you know that we have God's official permission, his approval to lay hands on the sick, to cast out demons? Yeah, to, to drink deadly poison and it not harm us. And we're going to go over that one. It doesn't mean a literal poison. Uh, to, to pick up snakes and serpents. Do you know that we have authority to do that? It's his stamp of approval. Uh, in Bible times, they would use a signet ring. Are you, do, are you familiar with a signet ring? Uh, that's why when the prodigal came home from the pig pen, uh, anybody here know the pig pen? Uh, when the prodigal came home from the pig pen, I know the pig pen. Uh, and he, he came home, and he was like, uh, he's crawling, and he's smelling like pig poop, and he's covered with, with garbage, and, and he's shamed for what he's done. He's just blown his inheritance. We blow our inheritance all the time. Can I just tell you that? But, but he's, he's just going home because he says, I would sooner be a slave in the house of my father than be doing what I'm doing. And so he he basically crawls home, and he finds the father with his arms wide open running. It's the only time we see God in a hurry when he's running to meet a prodigal coming home. If you're a prodigal here tonight, can I just tell you, my Jesus is running. He's running towards you. He's not running away from you. He's so glad you're back home. He doesn't care if you're covered with pig poop. He doesn't care where you've been. He doesn't care that you've squandered your inheritance. He's just so happy you're back home. And his arms are wide open. And that, that, that prodigal gets back home to the father, and the father immediately says, get a robe. And that's to cover the pig poop because, you know, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I, I, have, I have had, if you, if you took my robe off right now, you'd see pig poop. 
I was covered with it. I slopped in it up to my neck in pig poop. I, I know sin. Can I tell you? I know sin. I don't think you understand because see, some of you are just good girls and boys and you don't know sin, but this girl knows sin. I've been in the pig pen and I've crawled home and now I stand before you wrapped in the robe, wrapped in the robe of righteousness, covered by him. But that father, after he gets the robe, he says, somebody get a ring. Get me the ring. That's the signet ring. It's, it's, it's the ring that he puts back on his son's finger, and he says, here you go, boy. You put this on your hand, and this is my authority. You can use my name. That was dangerous. Do you understand how dangerous that was? That was the boy that just squandered his inheritance. <laughs> and now the father's saying, you got permission to use my name. This is my stamp of authority. You can go in town and buy goods and stamp it with my signet ring, and it's paid for. And, oh, Lord, do you know how dangerous it is <laughs> to give me your authority? And I want to handle it right. Do you not want to handle it right? You see, I'm just telling you, we have immature believers running with the authority of God, just finding a demon on every corner and, and, and doing crazy stuff that they shouldn't be doing, and they're taking authority and squandering it. I want to be faithful with his authority, don't you? I want to be faithful. I want him to be able to trust me. Oh, I talk to you all the times about the secret things of God. I've been praying this week. Oh, Lord, let me have a heart that you can trust. You don't trust just anybody with secrets. I only trust my best friends with secrets. I, I got to know you well. You've got to be close to me if I'm going to. Leslie, here's my secrets. Dave, here's my secrets. That's about it. You don't give somebody secrets who you don't trust. I'm like, oh, Lord, give me a heart that you can trust with your secrets. Do you not want that? Do you not want to know the secret? Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't. I'm just tired of cold religion. I'm just tired of, of fake Christianity. I'm tired of spiritual mass. I'm tired of it, guys. And here's what I want. I want a heart that he can trust with his secrets. I want to go deeper. I, I want to know him more. I want to love him better. Do you want that? I want that. I want him to be able to say, Rhea, you got my authority. Whether we are, we, we are careful with it or not, guess what? We got his authority. He says in Luke 10, 19, all authority has been given to you to trample on snakes and scorpions, and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Not some of the power of the enemy, all, all. Somebody say all, all. all. So he says, in my name, you can do this. And he says, you can cast out demons, you can speak with new tongues, you can take up serpents, and if you drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt you. I love that whole passage, but I don't have time to go over it all tonight. But I want to focus on the portion that jumped out at me this week. If they, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Now, when he says we're going to take up serpents, that's not a literal serpent. You, Jesus would use pictures all the time. He'd say, I'm the door. Do you think he was a literal door? He said, I'm the bread of life. Do you think he was a loaf of bread? And he says, you're going to get rivers of living water are going to rush out of you. Do you think that that means a river's going to come rushing out of me? And when he says snakes and scorpions in Luke 10, 19, it's not a literal snake and scorpion. And then here, when he says, you will take up serpents, that word serpent in the New Testament is always symbolic of who? Satan. We see the serpent where in the beginning of the Bible? 
in the Garden of Eden. I love 2 Corinthians 11.3. He says, but now I am fearful, lest that even as the serpent beguiled Eve. Who knows that the serpent beguiled Eve? He tricked her. And he's still Mr. Tricky today. He's still doing the same thing to us. And he says, but now I am fearful, lest that even as the serpent beguiled Eve by his cunning, so your minds may be corrupted and seduced from the wholehearted and sincere and pure devotion to Christ. He's saying, I'm afraid that the enemy of your soul is going to seduce you away from the wholehearted, sincere, and pure devotion to Christ. Do you understand that that's what he did to Eve, and he's still in the business of doing that? He's still Mr. Tricky trying to get us away from wholehearted, pure, and sincere devotion to God. That's why he does not want you in the high, in the most high place. He doesn't want you in that secret place, and he will seduce you away. He will say, how about we have intimacy with some men instead of with God? And so he'll put a man in your path, or he'll put a woman in your path. You know, one that builds you up and, and doesn't just nag on you like your wife does. And, and she's going to tell you you look really handsome, and, and nobody works as hard as you work, and, and you're so successful, and, and oh my, look at your muscles. And, and she's going to say all those kind of things because he's going to seduce you away. He's going to give you a, a love that looks better than God's. Can I tell you, I've had them, and only God's, only God's, only God's can fill you. Only only trust me in this one you can't find it anyplace else stop looking because the enemy of your soul he's going to seduce you he's going to try to say come on let's go do some drugs it'll be so much better you'll love that so much more than that time with jesus come on let's go to work and let's throw ourselves into our job you're going to love it and you'll get all this approval and affirmation and and you'll love that so much more than you love that time with jesus he tries to seduce you. He tries to seduce me away from the wholehearted, pure, and sincere devotion to God. Don't be unaware of the enemy's schemes. He tries to keep us bogged down with battles, whether they be fighting and arguing amongst each other, plagued with people plagued with insecurity and fear, people who are, are bitter and unforgiving people who are unaware of our true identity in Christ, and he seduces us away, and he wins. We end up defeated. And Jesus is saying here, he's saying, you do not have to be defeated. I am giving you authority to take up serpents, to take them up, to take up the enemy, to stand against the enemy. That word take up, it means to literally remove with the idea of lifting away from. And here's what I love. Usually with the idea of violence, and authority. <laughs> I read that this week, and, and, and immediately, does that bring a scripture to anybody's mind besides mine? The kingdom of God is advancing, and what? And the violent take it by force. And I, I, Leslie and I were driving home from Illinois, and I said, Leslie, get my Bible and read to me. I said, I want you to read that scripture. And, and we read it in the Amplified, and I want to read it to you. It says, and from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault, and violent men seize it by force. Oh, listen to this, as a precious prize. Do you know that the kingdom of God is a precious prize? 
They seize it because it's a share of the heavenly kingdom and it's sought with the most ardent zeal and intense exertion. That's what the Amplified says. Oh, the kingdom of God, you've got to take it by force. You've got to be violent. And that word violent means fervor. It means that you're, nothing's going to stop you. Oh, and people say to me, Rhea, why are you so passionate? It's, let's change that word. Let's call it violent. I like that. Don't you like that? Don't you want to be violent? The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. Do you know what the kingdom of God is? It's his rule in our life. It's, it's the, what's the Lord's prayer? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. It's bringing it down from heaven to earth. It's saying, Lord, you said as you are in heaven, so we are here in this world. I said you don't have any sickness in heaven. I'm bringing it down. So you have a choice. Are you going to violently go after money? Are you going to violently go after approval and affirmation from man? Because you know what? If you are seeking approval and affirmation from man, you will never violently go after the kingdom of heaven. Because what are they going to say? They might not like you. They might think you're like Rhea. You can't seek the approval of man and violently go after the kingdom of heaven. What do you want? Do you want those signs that follow? Do you want God to use you? Do you want him to use you to display his power? The Bible says that we need to shine. Shine before man. People need to look at us. I said this weekend to the ladies I was preaching to, you, you need to preach Christ always when, when necessary, use words. One of the church fathers said that, or somebody said that, and I love it because here's what we do. We want to pound somebody with Scripture, and we want to say, you need to be in church. And some of you wives, you're nagging, 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 nagging your husband who doesn't want to be in church, and instead, can you do this? Can you just not even use words? Can you just let them see Jesus in you? My mama said, Rhea, I'd sooner see a sermon than hear one any day of the week. And we have got to start doing it. Do you know why this world isn't interested in our Jesus? Because we don't look any different than the unbeliever down the street. Do you know that signs and wonders are not for us? They're, they're for the unbelievers. <laughs> That's why all the gifts of the Spirit are so incredible. I'm going to teach that one of these weeks. Uh, uh, they're so incredible because it's if an unbeliever comes into your church, and, and let's say somebody gives a word in tongue that, you know, because you're, you're not knowledgeable about what that is and because the church has so messed it up, uh, that you don't even like me saying that word here, but, but let's say a message in tongue goes forth and it's interpreted by somebody. And when it's interpreted, that, whole, that man who comes in as an unbeliever, his whole life is revealed. And he's like, oh my goodness, how did they know that? This weekend. This weekend I was praying with this young lady. She, had, she was the one who organized the conference and we had stayed late and we were praying with people and she came up at the very end, and I just wanted to bless her. I wanted, I wanted to pray over her and just that the Lord would refresh her. And, and I began to pray for her, and, and I heard the scripture come through my mind. And so I began to say it, and the Lord stopped me. And I heard so clearly, go get your Bible. I'm like, Lord, I know this scripture. I don't need to go get my Bible. I got it. We, we got this one, Lord. Let me just, I'll just finish it. 
And I heard this, this firm, go get your Bible. And I'm like, okay. And, and I say to Les, I'll be right back. And I go over across the room to get my Bible. And I'm looking up this verse. And I find it. I'm like, told you I knew it. Lord, I got this one. Let's go back. And I go back to her, and I begin to read the verse to her from my Bible. And then he said, now go another verse. And so I kept reading. Leslie, what happened? I mean, she just burst. I mean, at one point she bent over because she was so overwhelmed. She was like, how did you know that? That's what we were just talking. Did you hear me talking to Leslie? And I said, no, I, I mean, I was across the room. How could I hear it? And so I said, well, let's just thank him. Let's just go back to prayer. And I began to just pray for her again. And the Lord said, ask her, if she, ask her about her job. Pray about her job. And I'm like, mm, I'm not going to do that, Lord, because what if she doesn't even, she doesn't even look old enough to work, Lord? I, what if she doesn't have a job? I'm having this conversation in my head with him. This is the Lord is my witness. Leslie can tell you exactly how it happened. And, and I stop, and I'm like, how about I just ask her? We won't pray about it. And, and I said, I just need to ask you. I said, do you have a job? And then she burst into tears. And she said, how did you know that? She said, I just lost my job on Friday. I'm so intensely worried about it. And she said, I can't believe that you knew that. I said, I didn't know that. God knew that. And God loves you. Do you understand how much he loves you? She was undone. Was she not undone? She was undone by the power of God. Oh, don't you want to live that kind of life? I want to live that kind of life. I want to live it. But we can't do it outside of that secret place. We can't be Sunday morning Christians expecting to see the power and the glory of God to fall. Because the violent take it by force. Here's what I want to tell you, that kingdom of heaven, it means the transfer of power from the spiritual to the physical. The transfer of power. You have my authority. I'm transferring my power so that you can in my name cast out demons. In my name, you can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. In my name, you can drink deadly poison and it will not harm you. In my name, you can fight the enemy and he's not going to touch you. Do, do you see it? He's transferring power from the spiritual into the physical. That, that's why he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Oh, I want more of you, Lord. I don't want more of the kingdom of this world. I don't want more of the kingdom of, of, of Macy's. I, I don't want more of, of the kingdom of, of, of GE. I, I want more of your kingdom. I want more of you, and I'm going to seek that first before anything else. A lot of commentators think that, that um, Scripture means that, that the kingdom of God is being opposed by the enemy. It, it's, it's suffering violence from the enemy. The enemy is coming at it violently. And, and I think it's mixed reviews. Some of them say that, that only the violent will obtain the kingdom of God, that you've got to be passionate about pursuing it. Um, but I think it's both. Because I think that the enemy will oppose he does not want you getting this. He doesn't want me getting this. He doesn't want us understanding the kingdom of heaven, the, the rule of God in our life. He doesn't want us understanding that there's a transfer of power from the spiritual to the physical. He doesn't want us understanding our authority. And so he will oppose. He will, he will violently oppose it. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but I have some attack in my life. I go under some warfare in my life. He's violently opposing it. But I've got to fight back. You see, if you are really determined, some of you are dealing with the same old sin over and over and over and over, and you, you, you get bogged down and you get angry. Next week I'm going to talk about, you know, a righteous man falling seven times and getting up every time, and, and we're going to get up. 
We're not going to carry shame. We're not going to be defeated because we fell. We're going to get up. And if we fall again, we're going to get back up. And I'm going to talk about that. That's what I thought I was going to talk about this week. But, but, but what happens is we fall or we fall into sin and we think, oh, God doesn't want anything to do with me. I blew it. Now I have to spend the rest of my life making up for it. That's craziness. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You fell, get up. Get up and start again. Start tomorrow. Start yet tonight. But, but you have got to make up your mind if you really want to be free from your sin. See, that's the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of heaven. It's, it's getting free. It's letting his rule in your life. He wants to rule. That means his word rules. That means I want to speak. He says, no, I'm stopping. That means Susie down the street nails me. I want to nail her back. He says, forgive her. I'm like, are you kidding me? But I forgive her. I let his rule be first in my life, okay? So when we really make up our mind that we're going to do that, you don't just do that haphazardly. <laughs> you got to get violent about it. You got to get some fervor in you. You got to make up your mind that nothing is going to stop me from doing this. I'm getting free and nothing's going to stop me. And then that, the kingdom of hell will, will oppose it. And so that's the suffering violently, or, or, or suffering violence. Do you see that? that I just wanted to throw that out and, and because that scripture just impacted me this week. Take some time and study that in, in, your, in your Jesus time this week. It's, it's a cool scripture. But, but I, I, I want to go to the part that, that I brought all of this to. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. This whole teaching now, we're getting to the arrows. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. That word drink means to imbibe. It means to absorb, to drink in. But I looked up the word. I wasn't quite sure what imbibe means, even though I've imbibed in my life, trust me. The, the word imbibe means to receive into the mind and retain. Stay with me, because this is going to be good. They shall drink. They shall receive into the mind and retain. They shall drink deadly poisons. Some versions say deadly poisons. The, the, the New King James just says deadly. It means poisonous, deadly, fatal. But does anybody else know where else we see the word deadly poisons in the Bible? Somebody. James chapter 3 said the tongue is full of deadly poisons. What did we say about the arrows? Words, unkind, nasty, hateful words that penetrate us. Uh, now remember, you shall drink, take into your mind, and retain those unkind, nasty, hateful words that were meant to, to cause death in your life, that were meant to drain you of life. You shall drink those in, and you have a choice, church. I'm just, I want to stand on that chair. This is a choice. We, we can make up our mind, and, and it's time we start growing up. We can make up our mind that Jesus said, you'll drink deadly poisons and it will by no means harm you. I'll take in your deadly, nasty, unkind, hateful words and it's not going to harm me. Do you know that that word harm means to injure, to disable? I got to get up to my words because it's too good to pass up. It means to injure, to weaken, to impede, or to disable. Oh. Am I explaining it okay? Are you getting this? that you shall take in and retain, take into your mind. Some of you have taken into your mind 
deadly poison, those arrows. You had a mama who spoke some deadly poison into you, and you've taken it into your mind, and you've retained it. You had a daddy who told you were no good and worthless, who left you, and you've retained it in your mind, and you've soaked it up, and you're absorbing it. And it's disabling, and it's injuring, and it's impeding your growth. Are you following me? It's harming you. And it's time, church. It's time to grow up in our faith and to say, Susie down the street can give me a bottle of deadly poison, and she can force me to drink it because she's saying it right to my face, and I'm forced to take it into my mind. My Jesus said, it will in no way harm me. It's not going to disable me. It's not going to injure me. It's not going to impede my growth. It's time, church, that we let that garbage go, that we say, Jesus, you've given me the authority. You said in your name, I have your authority, that this thing is not going to hurt me. I'm taking that serpent up out of my life. It's being ripped violently out of my life. The enemy is not going to have any more ground because you are not battling against the person who gave you that drink of deadly poison. You're battling against the enemy, the serpent. Take him up. Take him up and do it violently. But you see, what we do instead is we've let those words, we've retained them, we've taken them in. Maybe you had a spouse that said you weren't good enough. You never, you know, maybe you had a daddy that said you wouldn't amount to anything. Maybe you had a mom who just constantly spoke death over you. Maybe you have a friend whose words were just like a deadly poison that just poisoned your whole system with bitterness and unforgiveness. And you've never been the same because of it. You drank it. You took it into your mind and you retained it. And you've allowed it to injure you. You've allowed it to impede you. You've allowed it to destroy your life and make you disabled. Choose. Choose. You can be pitiful or you can be powerful, but you can't be both. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. Not you might. It's, it's a given. You are going to have trouble. Just because we're teaching on Psalm 91 doesn't mean you're never going to get trouble. You're never going to get hurt, that it's never going to come at you. That's not what that psalm means. People use that psalm like it's the ultimate in protection. It's not the ultimate in protection. It means that you are under the wing of God, that, that whatever happens to you is not going to destroy you. He's got your back. It might come at you, but it's not going to destroy you. It's not going to consume you. It's not going to bring you down. But, but see, some of you have let those words, you let those words, maybe the teacher spoke over you, and you've retained them. You let them be your identity. It's, it's not your identity. It's not who you are. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're his treasured possession. Do you understand that? You're not who your daddy said you were. You're not who your mama said you were. You're not who Susie down the street says you are. I don't care what Susie down the street says. She's not going to be my identity anymore. She's not going to rob me of my peace anymore because Jesus said this thing shall not in any way, not a little way, in any way harm me. Amen. Amen. Take that serpent up. Take him up. 
Do you know that Paul, there's a great story about Paul. Uh, Dave, help me here if I'm wrong. I, I think he's shipwrecked at the Isle of Malta, and, and he goes in, and they, they're collecting uh, sticks to start a fire. And when Paul throws some, some sticks into the fire, one of them is a viper. And the heat of the fire, uh, the viper bites his hand. It attaches to his, his hand. And the Bible says that Paul shook his hand. He shook it off. And they waited for his hand to swell. They waited for that poison to kill him. They, they, they just waited. They, the Bible says they were waiting for the poison to kill him. Some of your friends, they're waiting for the poison to kill you. Shake that thing off. Shake it off. Do you know that Paul didn't even swell, that he suffered no effects from that viper? Because, see, he understood he understood Jesus' last words. He understood that you take up deadly poison and, and you, you, you take up uh, serpents and they will in no way harm you, hurt you. They're not going to hurt you. We've got to make a decision. We've got to make a decision. Do you see what I, I really believe? I really believe, oh, I, I promise I'm finishing. I, I really believe that all of this goes back to that, that first part where Jesus just begins to talk. The reason that we're letting their words hurt us so much, the reason that, 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 that we've retained things that people said 30 years ago, you know, I, Dave, I told you a couple weeks ago that, that Dave hurt me very deeply about three years ago, and I put that in my black book of hell. Can I just tell you? And every argument we had... I'd whip that thing out and say, remember when you said this, buddy? Remember when you took my feet out from under me? Remember when you hurt me more than anybody ever hurt me in my life? Can I just remind you about that? Because you see, I'd taken it in, and I retained it as truth. And it was a deadly poison in my system. And the reason that we can't let go of those things is because we haven't gotten to this point where Jesus said, those who believe. These signs shall follow those who believe. Remember, they're firmly persuaded that his truth is truth. They're firmly persuaded that he's got more power. They're firmly persuaded that he has their back. Are you firmly persuaded? Do you trust him like you've never trusted anybody? You see, Dave said to me a couple weeks ago, he said, Rhea, when did you let that go? Because you did. When did you let it go? And I said, I let it go at that table when I learned to trust him, when I learned to be firmly persuaded that he's who he says he is, and he's got my back. And you see, you can let that garbage go. One of the things I pray about constantly is, is offense because Jesus said you can be sure offense will come. I've told you before that word offense is, is uh, it's a mousetrap and it's where the bait is kept. And he's saying when offense comes, it's a trap. And if you take the bait, you're caught. Some of you are caught tonight. You're caught because you drank the deadly poison. You took it in, you retained it, and it's destroying you. And it's time tonight that you get out of that trap, that you get out of the trap. You see, when I started sitting at that table with the Lord, when I started saying, Lord, this hurts, and can you, just, can you just minister life to me? Your words are spirit and life. Lord, I need some life because that deadly poison is sucking me dry. I need your life. And he began to pour in his life. And now if somebody, if somebody hurts me, I can almost, it's almost, it's almost comical. I mean, I almost want to get a grin on my face because I think, I can see right through that. You're not nasty. You're insecure. You're broken. You haven't been with Jesus. You're not really looking like right now. 
You're really having a hard day, aren't you? But your deadly poison, not hurting me. I can take it in, but it will in no way harm me because I've been in the secret place. I'm hidden with God in Christ Jesus. I'm firmly persuaded that he's who he says he is. And he's got my back. The Bible says that you and I are the apple of God's eye. That, that means we are the, the apple of the eye is, is the pupil. It's the, the part of the eye that gives focus. It means that we are always in the center of God's focus, always. And here's my favorite part. It, he, there's another scripture that says, whoever touches you touches the apple of God's eye. <laughs> so that person who makes you drink the deadly poison, can you just smile and say, you have no idea who you just touched. You just touched the apple of God's eye. And I wouldn't want to be you for anything in this world because I'm fully, I am firmly persuaded that he's who he says he is. And you don't touch the apple of God's eye. Do you see it? Did I explain it? There's more. You lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I learned this week, I used to think that that word was an instantaneously, instantaneous recover. I'm always struck by the gifts of the Spirit. One of the gifts of the Spirit is the, 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 um, the, gift of heal, the gifts of healing, okay? Um, and uh, it means that there's different kinds of healings that will be needed. And, and then there's the gift of the miraculous. And I never understood the difference. But you see, the miraculous is you lay hands on somebody, you pray for them, and they're miraculously healed right there and then. And then there's one where you pray for somebody, and they recover. And that word recover in the original language means it's a progressive recovery, not an instant one. They're going to progressively get better. I, I've been praying for you all that whatever needs you have when you come in here, whatever burdens you're carrying, whatever you think you can't get free of that's consumed your life, the addictions that are overwhelming you, that you just, the more you sit under the word of God, that the gift of healing that, that that just ministers to you, and you begin to progressively recover. You progressively get healed. Do, do you just love it? The Bible says that Jesus came. He was manifested. The Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. I'm going to ask David, is David still here? I'm going to ask David to come up and pray, play a little bit. And, because the Son of Man was manifested. He came to destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came. He came to set the captive free. He came to release the prisoner from darkness. He came to bind up. That means to mend broken hearts. See, some of your hearts have been broken for a whole long time. And you are bitter, you're, you're broken, you're, you're powerless, you're pitiful, you're angry. Some of you don't even like being here tonight because somebody across the room hurt you. That's ridiculous. This is the body of Christ. It's time, church. It's time. The Son of God was made manifest to destroy. Destroy violently destroy the works of the devil. It was his arrow. It wasn't Susie sitting next to him. It wasn't your spouse. It wasn't 
your parent. It was the enemy's arrow. Let the parent go. Let the spouse go. Let Susie down the street go. Let your daddy go. It was the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to keep you powerless. He wants to keep you bitter and locked up. He wants to keep you focused on yourself so you don't ever get violent for the kingdom. But my Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil. I'm going to invite you forward because I know, I see some of you just want to get up and leave right now because you're not comfortable with this. And I don't care. I'll do it every week till you get comfortable with it because this is what it's all about. Run into the secret place. Run into him. Not run into Rhea for prayer. Run into Jesus who came to destroy the works of the devil and let him destroy some in your life. He wants to touch you. He wants to set you free. He came to set you free. He doesn't want you angry. He doesn't want you broken. He doesn't want you paralyzed because of what somebody said to you. They were just a tool in the hand of the enemy. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about RIA or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both encouraged and challenged to go deeper and grow stronger in your walk with Christ. <laughs>